Hey guys, just want to take a minute for our sponsor, J4 Flower Horns. If you are sitting in front of your aquarium wondering why you're no longer enjoying it, well, number one, you may not see them, so clean the glass, but two, you know, bring a piece of the extreme to your tank. Have some fun. Go to j4flowerhorns.com. He not only has amazing award-winning flower horns you can get nowhere else, but also extreme fish like Bashirs, Platinum Bashirs, Albino Arowana. He even has Blue Eye, Bristlenose Placos, King Kong Parrot Cichlids. What do you guys want? Go there. Go now. Find yourself some extreme for your tank and get 10% off while doing it. Go to j4flowerhorns.com and use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Also, to celebrate J4 and Flowerhorn sponsoring the show, uh, we put out a little love. Go to our merch store. You'll see it in the show notes. It's the Aquarium Guys merch line. And we have added a new line of merch saying, I love cock. Now, cock, K-O-K, is the ball on the front of a flower horn. So certainly check out the silly new merch line. Love for you to uh, pick some up. It certainly helps the show. And, uh, you know... Certainly at mention J4 Flowerhorn on social media, uh, just to let him know, you know, that you love cock. Uh, <laughs> guys, keep the stories coming in. We want to do a user-submitted story time for Story Time 4. Certainly send those in. You can send them to the Aquarium Guys podcast website. At the bottom of the page, you will find our contact method. You can email it to us. You can send it a text message. You know, whatever is most comfortable for you. Hell, you could even send us a audio recording of you telling the story but send those in and let's kick that podcast Did you bring a pound of nuts with you? Excuse me? Is that a whole pound of nuts? Where did the bag go? I already ate them. You said you'd share, damn it. No, I I, I was just uh, went to Las Vegas and I took some salted peanuts with me and I thought- Wait, wait, did you all. steal those from Schmelta Airlines? <laughs> no, Schmelta Airlines does not even offer anything anymore. Well, that's because people are allergic to peanuts and they're not assholes, right? That's right. <laughs> peanuts. Peanuts. A pound of nuts. I mean, that's a lot of nuts. That's a lot like of nuts. I feel like on the plane, they can use like an ounce. Yeah. Well, special. on that note, I'm your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby. And I'm Adam Elnishire. We are happy to have Alexander Williamson from The Secret History Living Near Aquarium. Check out a link to his uh, YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, you know, do that, right? You already get our notifications for the podcast. Subscribe to him. Give you got to follow. You got to follow Alex. He is wonderful. Also my only fans. And you're all, oh, I can, can okay, we, let's, let's talk about that. Can we start only fins together? Only fins, yeah. Can we do that? I I would be all yeah. for that. I'd do a couple few nudes, wouldn't you, Adam? No. <laughs> Such a buzzkill. Everything looks bigger in pictures, Adam. You don't understand how much money we could make doing only fins. Only fins. Yes. Well, well, think about that. But Alex, thanks again for coming on, man. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Now, before we begin, I just want to make sure that you have the clear understanding that I'm not taking this down off the internet. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm using this recording. and uh, Wait, this is live? This is live. You asked for it to be live, sir. <laughs> uh, I, I trusted you. I 
Yeah, I don't know why you're so butthurt, but I, I trusted you. Pam's tense. I'm very butthurt. So what is this? This is the third time Alex has been on with us? Uh, fourth, I think. Fourth time. Fourth, yeah. And it, fourth uh, time's a charm. If you don't know better by now, that's your problem. That's the way I see it. Have your lawyer call my yeah. lawyer. My lawyer's in prison, so you'll have to dial the one of those numbers. Well, today's, oh. to- today's topic is getting burnt out in the hobby. That's not really what a, a clickbait podcast, but I think it's something that desperately needs to be talked about. Not a lot of people talk about it. And, you know, you dive in head first, you get wowed, and then you sit back and you hate saying it because you feel like a bad pet owner. But sometimes you just get sick of it. Like marriage? I hope not. not like marriage. That was a special case. That was a special case. That was more of abuse, right? Also, you did you think... feed your face for like six or seven months. Yeah. You get over it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is going to be one of those podcasts, I can tell. Oh, it's getting hot in here, ladies and gentlemen. You fish for six or seven months. Oh, well, I mean, we need, we need to get into it from all perspectives. So I'm glad you guys are coming out with full honesty on this podcast because Lord knows we need it. But for those that are listening, if you haven't listened to our podcast live, bottom of the website, you'll find our link to Discord. That's where we do this. We have the new staging studio. People get to ask questions live. Join the debauchery. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And you know, find us on Facebook, and you can even find Alexander's page. Is it the Secret History Living in Your Tank on the Aquarium the Aquarium Group on Facebook, or what? What is the tag for that? Yeah, it's actually the Secret History Living in Your Aquarium. It's my Instagram that's super screwy, and my title on here on Discord is all screwy too. So it's all right. We just but, yeah, we just prefer the, the secret. <laughs> the secret. Yeah, the secret. Just the secret. Dot dot dot. And you are the answer. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> Well, for, for, for 14 low, low price payments of uh, twenty nine ninety nine, you too can know the secret. <laughs> Do I get a second one free? Do I get a second secret for free? What, just extra shipping and handling? Yeah, yeah, you have to ship it, but you sure. <laughs> so before we and get... It happens to be twenty nine ninety nine also. Darn that tax. Damn it. So before we go too far down the rabbit hole, normally we do our questions, but guys, we're going to change up the podcast from now on. We're getting so many questions that we're just going to do full on episodes with just your questions. So if you haven't had your question answered by the time you listen to this, know that it's been read. We're going, it's been queued. We're going to answer it good or bad. Did you say read or ignored? Oh, no, no. We're going to answer them. Oh, we are. Yes. Even some of the inappropriate questions will get answered privately. One more night. I have to show up sober. Absolutely. Wait, we get inappropriate questions? <laughs> oh. Most of them about you, Adam. Oh, my gosh, yes. We just can't afford them. I have a whole letter that I actually got a sent in. Someone sent me a letter in the mail, and it's, I swear to God. Are you talking mail. snail mail? Snail mail. Someone found my address, two sides, and... Handwritten? I don't know if, I, like, we go beyond, our podcast is labeled explicit a lot of times, right? Because we, we go way too far. I don't <laughs> think I could read it on here. Really? Yeah, it was something else. Oh, wow. So uh, I'm going to have to ex girlfriend. I'm going to have to. Good. Yeah, is it it's legitimately a fan of the podcast. Really? And it creeps me the heck out. <laughs> was it was the return address like some state penitentiary or something? I mean, I just want to make sure we don't piss off no. people. No, it was Florida, Florida. <laughs> you know, because lawyer so right there. Florida people are insane. It's everything about okay, that was Florida Adam. Guy. You just said that. So if you want to hunt and kill Adam, he's down in southern Minnesota. That's right. Bring no. it. <laughs> remember remember we we have to pay our new editor for all, each time we censor stuff so we uh we gotta we gotta do this sparingly we have a budget gentlemen that. okay <laughs> i i want to let anybody know that i have not killed a person yet 
but it is on a bucket list. Yes, but but that's the gingerbread wow. man because you're fat. It's not <laughs> fat. Yes, it's your fat bucket list. Like it's right next to eating strudel. That makes no sense whatsoever. The he wants to eat a gingerbread man. Strudel here is Robbie. Oh. Wants to eat a gingerbread man. Well, okay, so we have a couple questions before we begin to our topic because you know everybody's excited to have Alex in here. How many of those nuts can you? Nope, that's the wrong question. Um, <laughs> well, I just want to know about the letter now. Oh, you should say next episode. Copy. I promise you. Tune in, subscribe. We will get to it during the question and answer episode of the podcast. It, I got to keep people wanting more. Absolutely. After so, the lawyer reads it over. I am Florida man. HR. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of good ones. So I got a message, you know, what secret stuff does Alex have brewing at home is a question I got asked like three times already from people. Like meth lab or what? That's what I was going to say, but apparently uh, this is a fish podcast. I didn't know that. And they want to know what fish topics that you're brewing coming up or, uh, or projects that you haven't told people about. Oh, they want a trailer for the new, for the new movie. Well, so I, I had been trying to finish up kind of my general coverage of loosely, like I'd go back in and plug back in history topics and people and, you know, when species were discovered and stuff. But I've loosely covered the history of the hobby going all the way back to Neolithic times and fish weirs and, and, and aquaculture by indigenous groups. And I want to someday, could be five years from now, don't know exactly, write a book on like the definitive history of humans and reproduction and captivity of fish for both. I mean, because it starts as food and then transitions to, to, to fish or as pets pretty much seems to be the way it goes in every culture. But I mean, we're finding now, like um, I had a recent episode where they have evidence now in ar- archaeological evidence and textual evidence from a stela or stella, however you'd like to pronounce that, a big rock carving that Mormorid fish were kept for religious ceremonies in pins in ancient Egypt 4,500 years ago and bred, and they hadn't found any bone in the refuse dumps that workers and priests and like the the upper class, they know that like they had these tr- this one part of behind the temples and things where they would get rid of all their food scraps and feed the dogs and dig a hole and put it in there, basically. And they had every fish present from the Nile, the Blue Nile, the White Nile, the Mediterranean, everything you could imagine was in there, but no mormorids. And so for a while, biologists had thought, well, maybe the weather was different and they just weren't in the river then. But they recently found a tomb with over a thousand mummified mormorids that had been basically dried out. And then they found evidence of laws saying that if you kill an elephant nose fish, that you will have your nose cut off or later on that you will be killed. They've also found that part of their alphabet was one of their characters in their phonetic alphabet later on. So like around 1500 years ago after classical Egyptian period is actually based on the mormorid. It looks like a Jesus fish, like you see on a car, but with a nose drawn on it, like like a kid drew it with a crayon, but that's the symbol. No um, kidding. And it's a phonetic symbol. Yeah. And, Why is um, this not on like CNN? I don't want to hear about I some guess, rich dude that made a tomb. I want to hear about his pets. I'm, right? Yeah. Are, are you I sure mean, it's not like... Crocodiles and, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff from sub-Saharan Africa too. I feel like millennia from so, now... 
Jay Leno's tomb is going to be filled with cars, and all they're going to talk oh. about is Jay Leno for some reason. I'm just wondering or, or like if all these fish Elon are just snacks. Whoever, whoever builds monuments, you know? Right. But, I mean, if you think about it, if you're a rich dude in a pyramid or in some sort of tomb, what's a better thing than take a, a flat fish that's already flat and make it into beef jerky for a snack for the afterlife? Delicious. Right. That's not what yeah. they did, apparently. Right. Adam, you agree, right? Well, yeah. I feel like the Mormorids were not necessarily food. They're probably there for, uh, oh, hell, I don't, I've, well, I, who, who can fathom that? So that's just it. It's, it's, there's no bones found in the food piles anywhere. And the, we know that they're an electrical fish, right? Well, around the same period as this, it, it's coincidence and it's, you know, whatever, 800 miles away, 1,200 kilometers or whatever it is away. In Babylon, in Mesopotamia, in modern day, basically Baghdad, but they, ha they have what we call the Babylonian battery, which are Leiden jars. They're copper with citric acid in them that they knew how to basically get a nine volt battery worth of energy out of these terracotta jars and pots. Well, mormorids are the only real electrical species in that part of the world there. And they are also, I mean, you're able to sense them discharging their little sonar. It's not to stun or hurt anything, but it can produce in the larger species up to 25 volts. And so there are pictures of a pharaoh in a throne with his feet in the water up to about his shins and all these mormorids. There's this one picture that they found. And so some hypothesis, literally this was just published like a matter of a month ago. Hypothesis would be that they were, they thought maybe something medicinal or spiritual was going on with the tingling. So could be, could be their magical tingly fish. Now, have you talked about this on your YouTube channel yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh damn. I was going to say, we well, should do like a special where you just cover that wholeheartedly. And then I'll just show up with mascara and a feral outfit. Well, I, mean, I am half Egyptian. <laughs> hey, sure. we never let's, mind. We have send Adam. We have him. I would just be insulting. We actually have a real Egyptian here. He's half. exactly. My dad, are, are I think, we, is bringing me my passport. Actually, is this input from the peanut gallery? I'm hearing. <laughs> no, I'm literally half Egyptian. Adam is half Egyptian. Mm. I'm half and Egyptian, a quarter Irish, and a quarter Norwegian. I feel like I want to get something poisonous if I'm going to have Adam on though, because like he's got real good track record with them venomous and poisonous animals. He exactly. does octopus, blue ring. Yeah, he does because would you like a fish me? <laughs> well, somebody sent me a story they wanted me to cover about the Mediterranean dolphins. I think it is that are eating puffer fish to get high. Like they get pricked buy them in their mouth and then they get all like tripped out and i would they, do that like, oh please i would do that please come back on to talk about that with us oh yeah i, I mean, always wanted to try fugu puffer fish <laughs> yeah i mean i think that would straight up kill them but then again i mean dolphins are big so I, I need to look into what species it is but they literally like gnaw on them and get like tricked by them and envenomated on purpose and then they pass it to the smaller dolphin or to their their children or a female that tends to be smaller than than the males that start the the process and they basically like pass it down like puff puff pass puffer puffer pass you know see i was the impression that they squeeze them to the point where they release the toxin that, and then they that, pass it around that could be it also 
That is a whole puff puff pass thing. I mean, that's just being a gentleman. <laughs> that sounds like the last concert I went to. Mm-hmm. People yeah. Just- so, oh, I guess I I, I kind of got off, off focus, but so yeah, my 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 main thing on the channel is I'm trying to do four episodes a week. I'm trying to do one on a historic topic or scientific breakthrough, one on a species profile or like unboxing or adjustment to the fish room, a live stream that references either one of those videos on usually Tuesday. And then on Saturday is a general Q&A thing. But my main research right now, I've got two big topics. One is clear fish and why we have like x-ray catfish. We have crystal tetras. How did that evolve and what are its purposes and biologically what's going on when a fish has a clear body with like no organs in that section. And then the other bigger project I've been working on for a long time because it's starting to actually compete with the title of oldest fish in captivity is bettas. So they found brand new information in the mitochondrial DNA from genetic testing. So through the mother's lineage, bettas have been bred at least, at least a thousand years. That was assuming that a generation is only four months old when it is ready to reproduce, which is the quickest it could reproduce. And so it's likely older than a thousand years. It's probably more like 1500 to 2000 years that they've been bred by humans because of this one mutation that's just extremely unlikely and it's been passed down and it's recessive. And the reason they did that was to fight them. And so there's also been rumor for a long time that fish fighting and bird fighting and human fighting, all sorts of fighting. The Buddhists in the area of Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, all throughout about a 500-year period, over and over, they say no gambling, no animal fighting, because it leads to human fighting and murders and stuff. So they've got that text as like a reference, but nobody knew for sure what fish it was or what was going on. And it seems like uh, wrestling half-beaks are also implicated, and that the bettas, it, it appears now that most betta splendens in the wild are in fact related to domesticated lines and have either been released or escaped in floods and so forth. Now, they do have some quote-unquote pure genetic wild lines still, but there's a bunch, like most that we thought were just these colorful fish naturally, they actually have a history with that same mitochondrial DNA that's shared from domestication. Man, I can just feel... The, uh, you know, pompous uh, social outcast people on these uh, fish forms just shaking in their boots right now saying that uh, that fish fight. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was also going to probably start like a fish fight club with that episode. Uh, so I might back off on that. All right. I mean, you just broke the first rule of fish fight club. Yeah. Don't, don't talk about don't fish talk fight about club. fish fight club. Yeah. You know, what's really sad is that, you know, people don't want you to talk about it, but it's 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 part of history. And I don't know why now in this new generation that we think that we can change history. We're not changing history. Right. History is history, people. And if you don't like yeah. it, I'm sorry, but that's what you, happened. You can say I don't like it, but that <laughs> right. doesn't change it. No. I, I love you, North Dakota. I'm sorry. Listen, I'll get my gun and shoot you right in the head. See, just like a North Dakota would say. Yes. How could you? 
Well, we should get back on topic here. We are here to talk about a depressing subject and uplift some fish keepers, Jimmy. I, I want to talk about something that happened in the news this week real quick. Okay, you, you do that, and then we'll get on topic. Well, I, I think I just want everybody's input. I'm going to go to the bathroom. No, you're not. Wait, you sit down. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you should bring us to the bathroom so we can get the audio in the background while Jimmy's talking. Oh, yeah. Go. Oh, I, wasn't, I wasn't actually going to go to the bathroom. I just I, wanted to hurt Jimmy's feelings because I'm a vengeful good. creature. Good, he's crying on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm crying on the inside, there's going to be blood on the outside. No, I just want to talk about the poor man in Cape Cod. It was in the news over the weekend. That poor guy oh. that, that got sucked up by the whale, people. Do you want to talk about this? You want to talk about how whales are mean to us? I haven't heard any of this. You have not heard this. It's like a real They're Jonah story. Fish, it's actually happened over by, where was it? Hashtag not fish. Cape Canaveral. Yeah, it was Cape Cod somewhere Cape off Cape Cod. Cod. Cape Cod off Massachusetts. A guy was out just grabbing spiny lobsters. He dives and grabs lobsters off the boat. And as he was, he as soon as he jumped in, all of a sudden he gets knocked around and everything went dark. And a huge whale had swallowed him or got him in his mouth. And he was in yeah. the whale's mouth from 30 to 40 seconds. And finally the whale breached and shook his head violently and threw the guy out i see and a the picture crew apparently here. saw him getting thrown out of the whale like it, it, so there's no doubt like was he in the mouth like did he just make it up like the crew the crew on the boat saw that like his dive apparatus went out of contact for a minute and they were like what the heck's up with that and they were trying to figure it out for a few seconds and then the whale came up and spit him out yeah all right so i, I pulled up an article the gentleman's name is michael packard 56 years old and again, lobster diver, he has false quotes of saying, I could sense I was moving. I could feel the whale squeezing with his muscles in his mouth. I was completely inside. It was completely black. I thought to myself, there's no way I'm getting out of here. I'm done. I'm dead. All I could think of was my, my boys that are 12 and 15. Wow. So here's a question. Would he go down the esophagus no. of the whale? Too big, you think? Well, I already did research. So I knew you were. I knew you had this under control. Their actual esophagus is not near big enough for a human. It's like nine inches or something like that at max on like a full grown humpback. And a sperm whale now, a sperm whale could eat a person, they theorize. But uh, a humpback has a very narrow esophagus for the reason that they don't like, they don't want them to swallow. I mean, it would be bad if they swallowed like a seal hole because they have claws on their fins and stuff and they can teeth and all that and they could really do damage in the stomach and so they they purposefully you know they eat smaller things or they if they're a whale with teeth not baleen then they would take bites out of those things but most whales they do the filter feed thing but these do lunge feeding and they've got a ginormous mouth i mean plenty of room for a person in there or a few people but they there's no way that it would have gone down into the esophagus plus there's a sphincter there that I'm sure the whale would have been constricting, which they do whenever they close their mouth, like to swallow, just like we do. When you swallow, you constrict your esophagus, your sphincter and your esophageal area. I guess you have like two or three. So, okay. So but we, yeah. we now can confirm with science largest blowjob of all time. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I <laughs> like the quote. You, you probably have to pay the editor a little bit extra money for that. I'm just saying, I think that's, Facts right there. Hashtag not a fish. I mean, well, you've, so you've gone this if, far. If so think about this. He, 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 you've gone this far. Just say it. 
He's, he's, a, he's, he's a spitter. He's not a swallower. <laughs> Clearly the whale was. Yes, of course. Edit that out. They're refined creatures. <laughs> All right. All right. That's that's Very the nail in the coffin there. But see, I, I, I knew that Alex would have some crazy information that, you know, about the sob. You know, I just knew he'd have something on this. I mean, this is well, his job. He's good at what he does. Yeah. It was the first thing I wanted to know. I was like, wait a minute. Can it, like, why would a whale swallow him? So it was clearly just completely accidental. And actually a biologist like discussed it in the Atlantic and they were like, it's probably the equivalent to a human eating a fly like with a bite of soup. And you'd be like, oh, what the heck? And spit it out, you know, or a roach or something. Yeah. I don't know if it he would ha- be alarming. Did he have any scuba gear on or was he just snorkeling? Because, I mean, if you had scuba gear on and you had that metal. Believe, yes, he had scuba gear. So, yeah. I mean, if, if you if you got scuba gear and you're banging around inside this whale's mouth with all this gear and, and it, it's metal and it's scratchy and, and he's blowing bubbles. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, he probably just went hock the loogie out. Well, and the other problem was so he had jumped in, but he was at 47 feet down when he got swallowed he was like on his on his descent and he so he was he was going down and so when he got brought back up to the surface that quick they were a little worried they didn't know exactly how deep he'd been and so they were worried about the bends that was their primary concern so (laughs) yeah they they had him in the hospital there's pictures of him like with you know the all the wires across his chest and all the shit i think he tore up a knee if i remember right i think he i think he tore tore up a knee pretty good and stuff and so yeah they had him in there for a day just kind of watching him but this guy needs to go out and buy himself a bunch of lottery tickets actually yep yeah yeah man ahab exactly okay back to whatever you wanted to, to, to bore me with Rob. okay back bore to you with <laughs> bore you with this is a this is a real subject that our listeners need help with jimmy with, with so being getting swallowed by whales come on now damn right okay we we did cover the essentials first so I think we should all take a moment and, uh, you know, tell people a time where we've been uh, burnt out in the hobby. You want to go first, Jimmy? I tell you, the, the, the first time that I almost was suicidal is I imported $1,800 worth of fish and some airline that rhymes with Schmelta. <laughs> January, it came into to Minneapolis and they said, we're probably not going to get them there until tomorrow. I go, it's 30 I think it was 31 below actual temperature. And I said, is there any way you can take them inside at least? Because in Minneapolis, they have a warehouse, but the doors stay open because there's forklifts going in and out. So it's very, very cold. I've been in there several times. So normally they sit, they sit there for maybe an hour or two before they get on the airplane to come into Fargo, North Dakota. But this particular time I called them and apparently I hit a nerve because they froze them 100% solid and sent them the next day. Oh, $1,800 worth of fish. And that's a point where I said, you know what? I'm, I think I'm done with this. And it took me over four months to get my money out of this airline that rhymes with Schmelta. That was a point I was just ready to throw in the towel. You have this great grandeur. I mean, all this stuff was pre-sold. It was going to go. You know, I lost all that money, but worse yet, killed all these fish for no reason whatsoever. Get rid of the tanks, flip out the uh, fish room. Start drinking. Just no more. Find another hobby. Right. You know, play canasta at the VFW. Exactly. And so I totally get, I mean, there's, there's times too, especially this time of year in summer, when all of a sudden we decide there's an outside, especially up here in the Northland where we're stuck inside for six months out of the year, you finally go, oh, jeepers, I can go outside again. And you kind of lose touch with 
your tank. How about you, Adam? What's the time where you got burnt out? You uh, again, Jimmy's a background in wholesaling. You got the years of owning a pet store. You ever wake up when you have the pet store and be like, I'm done. It's yeah, but it was it wasn't the animals. It was the people. <laughs> it was just no, serious. I, I do not you. understand <clears throat> how constant it is with people. And it's just it's the same stupid questions. Even if you tell them the answer two minutes before they ask the same questions and I got burnt out from the people way faster than I did with the animals. Like, the people kind of ruined my day. Well, how about being a hobbyist on your own? There's got to be times where you're just not in the effort to do some water changes. It's just becoming a chore, and you're, you're losing touch with your aquarium. When, you know, no, what, what, no, what no, does no, that happen? The only time I ever felt that was when I, I, so I went and I bought discus. This guy in Hibbing was moving, so I drove all the way to Hibbing. I picked up dinner plate sized discus, just Ooh. these massive, beautiful discus, right? I had true L46 zebra plecos. I had a pair of those with my discus in my 75 gallon tank. My discus were starting to pair off, and there was a crack in the heater, and the heater electrocuted every single fish in that tank except for one goddamn sword tail. <laughs> the one 85 cent fish lived to tell the story. Yes. There's always the ones who do. Yes. Wait, yeah. wait. Why, why the sword tail, though? <laughs> I don't know. Other than terrible luck. Like, is are they just like. I know, I know, I know. I electrified? Know. I know. Because a, a sword tail's tail, groaning probe. <laughs> this was a, this. What, Alex? Think about it. <laughs> funny, funny, funny story. This is actually a female sword tail. Oh, damn. That, that dropped a litter of babe, a fry, because I kept her without a male for so long. And then turned into a male, grew a sword and everything, grew a gun, a podium and everything. The drugs are good in northern Minnesota, aren't they? Dude. So are the women, apparently. <laughs> All right. Before I let Alex go, because I feel like Alex is going to have like a really finely detailed story. Yeah, of, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Of, you know, what, what's the comedy plus or no failure equals comedy. Failure plus timing is comedy. I'm losing it, but. My mind, you guys have heard, you know, different stories about, you know, me having spent so much money on Stingray and, and a black arowana and trading in favors. And if you haven't heard that story, go back and listen to some of our old episodes. They're, they're, they're pretty golden. But, you know, I watch my favorite pearl blonde Stingray that I spent so much money on years ago just eat piece of food choke on it and die much, right in front of me how much money how it was much? way too much money jimmy how, how, you've never you've never admitted how much I money on the air to. i, I know how much money to. you spent but air. i don't need right. to right just know that it was a lot of money and it's detrimental but I, i'm talking about instead of just you know these horrible situations where you're just ready just to close it up i'm talking about the day-to-day -day. just recently yeah. you know a couple months back i just burnt out it's summertime. I have a 1952 Ford. I get bombarded with fans all the time because <laughs> Jimmy doesn't go on Twitter and no. front the questions. No. You know, I, I deal with I'm busy. the storefront people. I have people coming with me. Hey, that's a nice aquarium. They won't connect with me other than just giving me a blank compliment and then going home and telling their wife how weird I am. Which is true. It's honestly, I mean, we're, we're a unique group of people and it just gets battering. I look at my aquarium and look at the overgrowth of too many plants and then just get uninspired. It looks like you haven't shaved your pubes in a month. I mean, nothing bad happened uh, in that time. It's just, I, I just frankly get burned out. And that's, that's common occurrence for aquarists. You know, it doesn't have to be that one catastrophic moment where something takes a shit. 
It's just the day-to-day and you're looking at the same thing. And I like to go over things of, number one, this is a uh, now an AA group, you know, for, for fish people. <laughs> one, we're going we're gonna to confide in each other on s- stories that we may or may Talk haven't quality. done. My name is Rob and I'm a fishaholic. But, you know, we want to give some tools to you guys that have uh, are maybe newer to the uh, fish hobby or, or long-term hobbyists that are listening to this on how to refresh and get out of that burnout cycle because it's inevitable regardless if you had $1,800, you know, a crazy uh, nice discus or your pearl stingray that craps out. It, it's it's inevitable to happen, but I really want to go over the topics of how do you get back in after you've been burnt? So, Alex, what's what's a couple of times where you just kind of felt done with this? Can you hear me okay and everything? Sure can. Okay. Uh, I put on, on speakerphone because I hate you guys. We'll get so, you a mic someday. <laughs> someday I'll afford a mic, you know, you know once you, I get at least You know, someday when followers. you get serious about your life, you can get a microphone. Yeah. You know, I, I you're, you're only doing this five days a week, so... Yeah, go yeah. To, go to his YouTube place. Somebody buy him a microphone. Subscribe. Please. Throw throw a few <laughs> bucks his way. Get a giant God. super chat and say this is for a new microphone. Yes, please. <laughs> you know what? Get him a six pack of beer too. He's too uptight tonight. <laughs> so I get burned out like on cue. So yeah, every six months on cue, I I, I tend to lose my oomph for what it for whatever it is I'm doing in in the hobby. And it's because all throughout my life, I've had hobbies where I'll go really hard into them, like woodworking, and I'll like read up up all about it, and I'll get really into it, and then I'll just put it aside. But with living things, I feel like I can't put them aside. I, I have to at least, you know, keep them healthy and happy. And because of that, it it makes it that the hobby I feel like has hang hangs on through those downturns and the plants are a whole other element, like kind of giving you a barometer to how well you're doing. And I switch between like what I'm working on though. Like if, if I was obsessed with breeding a line of endlers, then that's that, that's what I'll focus on for like six months in my personal time. Now my channel also helps kind of diffuse like the topics and what I'm learning about. But I really do believe that this is a hobby that you could learn all day, every day for the rest of your life and, and still never get close to knowing, you know, even a fraction of what there is to know. But can you guys hear me? Okay. Still we sure can. Okay. So, so the other thing is, you know, of course I've had some times when like everything in a tank dies and, like I had like four leopard frog plecos die that were just mature after three years of like raising them, two and a half years of raising them. That was rough. Um, I raised them from the time I had like 20 of them and they were tiny, tiny little babies that I paid five bucks a piece for, but I had a bunch and most didn't make it that first month. And then beyond that, some died. And then, you know, like at, in the long haul, I had like four or five, I think it was at the time. So that was, I mean, I can see how like when you're shipping fish or you have a tank collapse or maybe you get pulmonaris or something like in all your tanks or in a bunch of tanks, how that could be really, really rough. But I think the more common burnout is just people having things they need to focus on in their daily life and having video games or their spouse or their kids or maybe they're in a soccer league or whatever like just something else 
takes up time in your life and begins to take up the focus and you're just kind of tired of the same same old same old with the fish tank and that's when it's time to like try a black water tank or you know try salt water god forbid i've never had to go that far but <laughs> well i, I think yeah. it, i think it comes down to being predictable on yourself as well if you've seen how you treat yeah. yourself on other hobbies you know understand that you're you're sampling life right? You're, you're trying out, like, I bought a 52 Ford. I'm not known to be a car guy. This is an adventure that I decided that I wanted to get into, much like when I was a kid and saw my grandma's tank, and I'm like, I really want to do that. I am now a 30-year-old kid that saw a pickup and be like, I really want to do that. It's just how life is. Be brave enough to, be brave enough to suck at something new. I, I think that's yeah. the best way to, uh, to put it. Be brave enough to suck at something new, but when you do, you know, do it smart. I see so many people like, I'm going to get a 350 gallon aquarium. Nice start. Nice start, right? I'm going to get piranha because I know nothing about it. And you see intro failures. And we even did a whole podcast about setting yourself up for failing. But in burnout specifically, you could do something and not understand that in, in six months growth on that and understand the feeding habits, understand the growth of the fish. And you burn yourself out just trying to maintain and adapt for something you didn't do research for. That's one thing. But just the mundane water changes, making sure that you're keeping, keeping the glass clear, making sure you're doing filter cartridge changes, just daily upkeep. It's not a lot of work. But when we're busy and get distracted, like you said, by other things, we forget to take care of that ecosystem that we just absolutely loved six months ago. And we know that in probably a couple more weeks we'll be on track, but you have to keep yourself on a schedule. There's so many times where I see people neglect a tank because they just feel burnt out and I'm guilty. I'm very guilty. I'm literally looking over on, I'm just coming out of a burnout phase, which I think is why this is topic so fantastic. I'm looking over at my shrimp tank rack where I have half of them no longer running. I just let them shut down. I'm just keeping a sponge in there to cycle. And when yeah. I rip those apart, it's going to be an adventure going, oh, there's my car keys. <laughs> right? Yeah. So don't feel well, bad. Just set yourself up for maintaining during those times. Well, and I think that we're going we're gonna to see, I mean, this pro tip right here, guys, in about two more months, we're going to see so much free aquarium crap on Craigslist because – pandemic's wrapping up and so many people bought tanks because they're like well i guess i'm stuck at home and they say that 95 percent of people in our hobby like marketing research that they do petco and PetSmart and big places do 95 percent of people keep a fish tank for six months to a year and then quit if they have a tank within three years after buying it they will most likely have fish tanks the rest of their lives. That's some fantastic numbers. That's I, I actually, data, yeah. I thought that was like way above the norm, but yeah, good, good for, uh, good for the, the three months. It's like a podcast. If you're in a podcast, the the numbers on it is you won't make eight episodes. Really? Yeah. In fact, we. <laughs> I bet against us. Uh, right. We, you bet against us. We wouldn't make eight episodes. That's the average. If you can go over eight episodes, you have beaten 75% of all those that attempted it. So we can quit. And thank you. And good night. <laughs> ring, ring. Wow. <laughs> no. Let's uh, go get some uh, dolphins and some pucker fish and we'll call it a night. Right. I mean, just think about yeah. how many people try to do YouTube. 
right? And that that's oh, that's yeah. a competitive what people believe to be competitive. I have a firm belief that no content creator takes away from each other. All we do is build each other up. I believe that but is true. People have Most believe that's a competitive thing. They're competing for views. I disagree, but you know, how many YouTubers have started something out and tried like, hey guys, this is my new YouTube. I'm gonna start doing this, and you see two videos and it's over. Yep, yep. You know who's the worst at that? Honestly, are like professors that specialize in fish. They proclaim like they're gonna like, oh, I know so much more about whatever tetras. I, I could also, all the information online's wrong. I hate all these videos, and then they're like, I'm gonna start a channel, and you go there, and there's like three videos from like 2009, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely that's what i love about the internet internet's forever internet's forever you, yeah. you, you failed yeah 10 years ago and you're still failing today right like i <laughs> i told this pump joke on a on one of our episodes and now that's my nickname <laughs> what oh good old butt pump uh, so <laughs> Mr. i butt also pump. have another life hack for your average viewer listener i don't know they could be viewing the radio i suppose or their their phone but try to get into – I mean here's a challenge. If you're really, really fed up with your tanks, like you really just – you think you might be getting out of the hobby level, tired of it, try going filterless depending on your fish. If you're keto fish or like discus or something, don't do that. But I mean if you've got community fish, even like angelfish and tetras and garamis and bettas and danios and whatever – Try going completely filterless. Let it get clogged with your neglect and plant the heck out of that tank. Add more and more plants until you think there isn't room for plants. Let it look like a jungle where you can't even see your fish. And honestly, if you've got a good substrate base down, most of the methods I've seen, whether that's there's people like Father Fish, there's Diane Wallstead, there's Dustin's Fish Tanks, there's Lucas Brett's. All of them have different ways, different substrate combos that they've gotten to work without filters just fine. But essentially, if you have a place for the waste to settle down and out of the way, and you have plants to deal with the nitrates and nitrites and ammonia, and you can bring yourself to feed fish that are over a certain size. I mean, I have certain tanks where I've gone four or five months without feeding like little sun Danios or CPDs because they can live off the little copepods and things in the tank. And so before you give give up, like sometimes you'll find the magic in the hobby when you realize that tanks aren't supposed to be this like crystal clear, you know, hermetically sterile area of perfection like any body of water you go to other than like a hot spring or something is going to be a mucky muddy transitional zone of weeds and junk like you know it's our, our tanks can look like that that's okay they don't need to look like you know takashi amano like desktop books i'm gonna one-up that what helped for me during one of my slumps was transitioning away, and it wasn't just the fact that I was sick of uh, tanks at the moment. It wasn't the fact that it was inconvenient during my super busy times of my life where there was transitions or stress and I didn't want to think about my aquariums. It was the fact that I opened my monthly bill for my electricity, and it was just during that weird COVID peak we had, and I had a $500 electric bill. Yes. It wasn't that, that then it became no longer a burnout of tanks. 
it made me look at it going that piece of shit ha- isn't paying rent <laughs> honestly right. it was resentment at that point so it wasn't just going filterless it was me unplugging the aquarium so instead i got creative and i found a new way to enjoy some of those pl- things so they're no longer costing me rent so you took the money went to the casino and doubled down right so what i did is i went filterless in some of the tanks completely filterless i went heaterless on everything i possibly could shrimp don't need heat right yep. white cloud mountain minnows don't need heat rice fish most of them don't need heat so i just started if going like, going down if the you list have a small bedroom, honestly even if you heat four or five tanks in a small bedroom that are like 40 gallons they'll heat like two to three times the amount of tanks around them They're, they act as heat sinks so like that room will stay whatever temperature the majority of the tanks are you know now, that's true for most places, but I'm in the ass crack of Minnesota right. and sure. everything gets cold, even in my my basement, my rooms. Yes, it does heat up the room uh, uh, quite a bit, but I'm paying a lot for that for that heat. You know, so the, having cold water species is a real knockout for me. Yeah. The, the other thing that, yeah. I, that worked out for me one time or one time, I still do it. I have a rack of tanks. So I'll have six tanks and I will do every other tank with a heater. And the two, because yep. my tanks are so tight, they're touching each other, and that heat will radiate, and that will keep it maybe six degrees warmer than it would if it was actually just room temperature. And so, if my tank there is eighty-two, that one's probably seventy-six. So that works very well for me, and it also, like he's, you know, it helps when you, when you got that big guiding bill. The other thing that Rob did too that he didn't mention is he put in one pump and ran the airline all the way around his room. And unplugged all the other pumps that he had. It was somewhere around oh, right. like fourteen air pumps. Yeah, that I uh, yeah. that I pulled. It was it was incredible. Not not to mention the heaters and the hang on the back filter, right. the canister. Oh, right there at the end of the table, Jimmy. The canister filter's been unplugged for a while now because that was the moment where like I pulled it out, put some plants in, and I'm like, good luck, good luck, buddies. Yeah. Now, Adam, you did the same thing too, didn't you? At your store. Yeah, I when I bought the store, there was hang on the back filters on every single tank. There was 46 tanks on the wall and they also had under gravel filters. So I basically unplugged all the hang on the back filters, put in sponge filters on top of the under gravel filters. Everything was cycled basically because of the under gravel filters. And I want to say I dropped my electric bill $600 in a month. And who came to visit you after that happened? Oh, the uh, electrical company did because they weren't sure why the hell my bill went down. That's right. After being the same consistent ish every month for 15, 20, almost 20 years, then all of a sudden it dropped 600 bucks. And I go, that's what I did. Oh, I have to come break some kneecaps to make sure that they still got you. Well, no, they were wondering if I somehow bypassed the meter. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, the other thing that's, that's, I mean, sorry, old timers, but. Getting LEDs, honestly, the LED versus like silver halide or silver oxide or any of the nickel, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. Any light other than an LED is going to just drain energy compared to the new LEDs. There's nothing compares. I went from having old T5 kind of lights, ended up switching them out with even even getting a highlight, like a a Fluval 3.0 Planet Plus, which isn't a cheap light, and it and it does use a good amount of electricity for an LED. 
but it puts out near what, like 200 watts or something, and it's only 18 actual used watts, like being used. So, I mean, that's that's crazy. And you can do a whole rack of several shelves if you mount that high enough. And that high light setting will also one heat the room just slightly, but it will heat the room a little, and it will allow plants in four feet by three feet of space in a rectangle to grow if you get the big size. That's actually, I think, 36 watts if you get the big one. But it's a huge difference. Now, I have heard, and I I have no idea, I I think this is totally baloney, but I have heard that they're trying to develop an LED heater, which I have no idea how that would even work. And I've heard this a couple of times and I thought this is BS. And now I just start recently hearing about it again. Has anybody else heard about this or is it just BS? That's its sole function or it's a light that happens to also use the the excess ballast of heat for your aquarium? No, right. I heard about this and it is actually the LED like little cathodes that they're putting in a, essentially like a tube. So it's supposed to, and this is like some of the weird designs I've, I've heard of, supposed to you like a UV light where they put uh, everything condensed around and they pump over top of the light to sterilize. This is supposed to pump over top of high-powered LED uh, cathodes. So they, okay. so they produce the heat and then warm the water as it goes through. Wow. It, it's but I thought that LEDs, I thought oh. that LEDs don't put up a lot of heat. Well, they, they don't traditionally, but there are some that do. And there are some now that they're using tungsten and other, other metals in the diodes that can take a lot more heat than than the way they, they traditionally have been made. But, I mean, it's kind of like lasers, too. Like a laser can be very bright without using that much energy. But a laser can also be strong enough to, like, burn holes and stuff if you do want to put the energy in. The thing to me that is interesting is that like a light bulb like literally the whole like the whole reason light bulbs old-fashioned ones work and are bright is because they're so they they're so inefficient with energy like they vibrate so much they radiate so much in both the form of heat and light that it glows you know what i mean whereas like an led is so very the opposite it's it's a very compact condensed form that that's they're using much less energy in to to get that out so i just would have assumed that the electricity from your wall could heat up a piece of filament whatever that might be metal of iron or i don't know aluminum whatever it is i have no idea material wise i just would have assumed that something would be better than having to make a whole diode and everything i mean like a toaster works by just heating up a piece of metal wire from the wall essentially your burner works that way And that heats things up real quick, you know, electricity wise. So I'm just surprised that that LEDs are up there. But maybe there's also like a sterilizing or some other component to it that that like makes it a plus to do that. But I I just don't know enough about the actual material science of it. But now I'm going to look into it. Yeah, I I just thought it totally was bogus when I first heard about it. And then it kind of went away. And I've heard it again here just recently. But, you know, in today's technology, things Uh, continue to get better and better and better just read an article today which has nothing to do with aquariums but a lot of countries now are starting to take all the waste plastic that are getting dropped in our oceans and getting dropped in our landfills and they're putting it into roadways and yeah and anyway the united states is just starting to do that but it's, it's been quite common now over in europe and they'll take uh, all the recycled plastics and they, they do something and they mix it in 
with a pavement and the pavement's lasting longer. It's more durable. It could take higher heat. doesn't buckle. Potholes don't form as fast and stuff. So there's somebody where somebody did the research. Somebody took something that, you know, is filling our landfills and filling our oceans and doing something good with it. So, I mean, anything's possible. So you're, what you're saying is you're waiting for like a recyclable source to heat your aquarium. I'll take whatever I can get, man. Long as cheap. All right, Jimmy, you and I have to con- uh, come up with to help these burnout victims a manure fueled <laughs> aquarium meter. Yes, and we'll do that in your basement. Absolutely. I'm sure your I mean your wife will. I think you know. Have you guys seen rocket stoves? Rocket what? stoves. What? Yeah. So like they're like these little stoves, these little camp stove, and you basically you start with twigs and you feed twigs into them. And then you can add these little billets or you can buy pellets, but they actually will like fuel like a USB charger and stuff too. And they're just like a little teeny coffee can size camp stove, but it's wood fueled and you start it with a normal little wood fire with kindling. And then, I mean, you want to get some dense hardwood to fuel it after that, just because it burns hotter that, you know, it's more effective. But I was wondering like, what if we did that with duckweed? Because I bet you I could grow enough duckweed to power a heater in my aquarium, no problem, like a boiler. That's it. Start a Kickstarter campaign. People will throw money at that. <laughs> so yeah. we'll have to look into the like the the like actual physics. We'll have to get a, a physics professor to figure out like the biomass, the heat, the the burn rate, all that stuff. But I bet you, I just look around at the amount of duckweed I produce just without lights on tanks. And I, I think you could easily have something there. So and it's things like this that stop me from getting burnt out is coming up with stupid ideas that don't work. But then I find out why they don't work and I learn something new. Hey, Alex. So I've been following a guy on YouTube who I, I just love and it's Goliad Farms. Down in Texas. Oh, yeah. Down in Texas. Yeah. He is working with somebody in Texas there to figure out if there's any type of oil that they can extract from duckweed in order to make some sort of of energy source. And he talks about it quite. He talks about it quite a bit. And, And he says, and here's the thing. He says, so if tomorrow we find something that duckweed's so valuable, he says, then duckweed will quit growing in my tanks and I'll be a happy man. (laughs) <laughs> think about it you know if you find something useful then all of a sudden this this crap we have will no longer be available but i mean just if you can get these crazy people who do this stuff i mean look what elon musk is doing i mean sure he's yeah. landing rockets back down on on his base he's burrowing tunnels underneath cities that so they can shoot subways through it i mean it's just incredible stuff that he's doing and the, the man's half crazy but you know what sometimes half crazy is all good I blame you for my recommended videos on YouTube. I get all these people that try to show me how to make duckweed recipes and how to cook it. So, fuck you, Jimmy. Look you. You know, everybody that I've ever tried their duckweed smoothie crap, it, it is god-awful. I, will, <laughs> I, I don't think you can make it palatable. Why the hell would you want to eat duckweed? I would love well, to. It, it's, it's like 56% protein by weight. Yeah, it's it's yeah, really packing really it. Not gonna eat it. It'll make you poop like a goose. Quack, mm-hmm. quack. All right, back on I point. What about my oh, special yeah, algae? There's my lots special. of algaes that are being used as fuel already. Well, well, back on point. So back to the burnout victim. So if you're in a state of burnout, here's some recommendations, uh, do's and don'ts. To start off, at least my do's and don'ts. Do add plants to your tank. Make your tanks affordable. Make it easy on you. 
the pet owner as far as maintenance, glass, keep a species that are meant to be together as far as like cleaners. Shrimp do a great job. Ram's horn snails keep that aquarium prepped. Um, so maybe you don't like have to discus or a stingray or some. If, if 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 you have something that eats like prawns that you have to like deep deep vein every day for them like a puffer or something unless you truly love that fish and that's like what's saving you from total burnout like those kind of things can be really draining too i just just throwing that out there i've actually gotten messages back because pop uh puffers are so getting so popular thanks to a particular youtuber with bad dental purposes and there's i'm assuming he mentions it on there people should mention more often really what it takes for that that you have to like you said prep with the prawns you have to prep clams you have to do the diet a lot of it multiple times a day some people have to you know hatch live food it's such uh an effort when it doesn't have to be you can select bright beautiful fun species a communal tank you were even saying like how they're living off of monkey or something or a parrot <laughs> as a pet right <laughs> the problem with a monkey is they'll tell you when he's mad and he's hungry your fish can't yeah your fish can't at least fish don't fling feces yeah they can't throw poop at you when they oh when i bet you entertainment. That some fish would try <laughs> that's that why the there's mormorids in the egypt guppies? tomb that's right yeah <laughs> yeah i think guppies are doing the same equivalent with their babies when they're mad at you i i would think like antler guppies would probably be the ones that throw feces just guessing 100 percent. they probably would so set yourself up and then as far as maintenance goes, because that's that's the, the hard part, you know, you've set yourself up for success, but you still have to do it. Even if emergencies come up, keep yourself to a schedule, create in a schedule on your phone, alert yourself that, hey, it's been three weeks. It's time to do a water change. It, it's been a couple days. Did your fish get fed? Have you inspected them to make sure everything's going OK? And we're not saying that, you know, overfeed them. Keep on a, keep a schedule. This, if you're not feeling it, the schedule will at least help to guide you to not forget about them when it's uh, so easy to do when it's not on the top of your mind and you feel drained on the hobby. I have to say, too, that like I've made some of my craziest discoveries in our hobby, just personal epiphanies that from when you're burnout, from when you're just like tired of it and you keep going through it. And the other thing is like if you're breeding fish. That's a whole other level of stuff. And I think a lot of people, especially because of, I mean, I've contributed to this problem, I'm sure, by showing people like, oh, you can breed for profit. And obviously that's true. But your average person, like you have to be passionate about fish first, then want to breed for profit and then have somewhat of a knack for it and educate yourself and do it smart. But so many people go by like, 10 tanks and then they've got like an extra tank for this and they've got a grow out tank and they've got a hundred angelfish that aren't quote unquote doing anything for them for a few months, you know, except eating food. And I think that when you are feeling burnt out, it's also a time to scale back on your breeding unless, unless that's what like really gives you a kick in the hobby is breeding. Then, you know, obviously stick with the things you love, but for the most part, a lot of people think that they're going to get into this hobby and like make money off of their shrimp or make money off of this or that. And it's it's possible, but it's it shouldn't be why you're doing it pretty so much ever. We talked know? about some do's, right? Those don'ts that people don't like to talk about is, you know, I'm going to put an automatic feeder in the back of my tank. That's a huge yeah. don't in my mind. The Me idea too. of automatic feeder is you're not going to address issues. You're not going to see when that filter's clogged. 
You're not going to see when you have a dead fish in this in your small tank, which will crap out the whole tank. You're not going to see a growth issues, aggression issues. If someone's pinning someone in the corner and you should readdress or move that fish to a different tank, you're not connecting with it. And it's not going to help you get over the burnout. It's going to help you disconnect. And then in three more months, you're going to be like, you know what? I'm just done with those fish. I had a, a gentleman right before the podcast come drop off three of his like precious shabunkin goldfish that he loved and had has had for years but he's just gotten to the point where he's so busy and he's hasn't got over the burnout did the automatic fish feeder thing and lost connection with his fish until one day his wife comes and talks to him and says hey one of the fish is having an issue and he saw a bit of neglect felt his own failure and then reached out to me because he knows that i would have the time to take care of it it's it's not something that... And what do you do with those fish, Rob? They're in your pond. <laughs> That's right. I come out of my house tonight, <laughs> Rob's dumping them in my pond. They're in your <laughs> pond. So they're, they're, they're friends. People are going to take care of them. Jimmy and I are taking a, a ton of rescue fish. And don't shame yourself for getting to that point. But there's stuff to pre- oh, no. help prevent it. It's going to happen. When dad said to you, hey, dad, can I please have a dog? Well, it's going to happen when you get sick of them in six months. Yeah, that's a real thing. It's going to happen in everybody's hobby. It's just you have to prepare for it and set yourself up for success. Yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of people get this like collectoritis thing. I've go I go through it. And honestly, if I didn't have either friends that were breeding that I swap with or YouTube affiliates like Aquatic Arts that send me basically my commission for advertising is more fish. Which gets me, which allows me an ability that a lot of people don't have in that that's like new fish. So I can give away my old fish to friends and then try something new. And I fully realize that not everybody has that luxury. I'm so grateful for that. But it's something to know about yourself too, like whether changing up the fish is going to help. But a lot of people get into it and they're just like, I need every plant for aquascaping. And so they go out and they buy the expensive gear and, and whatever. And I think sometimes the more you spend and the faster you grow in a hobby, the less you value it. I've been in this hobby 27 years, if you count like being a kid breeding guppies. And I mean, I've never owned a tank over 100 gallons. I would love to. I want to. But I know realistically that there's a good chance I would get burnt out on it and not keep up with it if that were like a showpiece tank that needs to look immaculate all the time. The other thing that, that comes to mind, and I think Adam probably can attest to this, if you feel a little burnt out on a Saturday afternoon in the dead of winter, stop by your local pet store where everybody's hanging out talking about what they're doing. And yeah. it doesn't take long before you get excited about it again because you're going, hey, I didn't know Bob has, is doing these laser beam guppies or, you know, somebody's doing these platinum angels. And all of a sudden, platinum uh, rice fish, platinum rice fish that Robbie took from my house. So, yeah, there's so many things that just having somebody there to uh, talk about it helps tremendously. And don't be afraid. There's another don't be afraid to rotate your fish. Alex, yeah. you, you hit the uh, nail on the head when you said swap meets. Find places where it's okay to swap out your fish and it's accepted. It's okay to, you know, take that fish you've had for six years that might have a long lifespan or even a fish that you've had for a few months and find it a better home. You can uh, find friendly swap pages. You can find uh, different clubs to go off of. You can even find a group that you can create at your own local fish store. Yeah, that's the a lot of people think like that they're failing if they there's this taboo some fish keepers i've felt it before like a stigma of like oh they got a fish and it got too big for their tank idiot and sometimes that's not the case sometimes it's 
you don't want a two foot long Pleco, but maybe someone with a 150 gallon tank, that's exactly what they need. You know what I mean? Or want or whatever. And so if there's people out there, especially, I mean, a Pleco is an extreme case or a red tail catfish. Those are kind of obvious each type things. But I mean, when you talk about silver dollars or like Pacus or the real like monster tank busters that sometimes people do get into deep, there's no shame. Like it's if you can't take care of it or aren't taking care of it because you don't like it anymore, you're like it's you're burnt you out. Like spite for it. Yeah, you're burnt out on it. Then give it to someone who's not. That fish deserves that, especially those long living fish. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard about. Uh, quote unquote, this asshole fish. And I'm done with the aquarium <laughs> hobby. This asshole fish did this. This asshole fish did that. And like, you'll hear about the the crazy Jack Dempsey that someone got. No one told them about their pet store. And now I'm done with the hobby. Don't let that asshole fish get between you and having fun with this. Find a place because there's people like me that love assholes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I do. You're just talking to when we started the podcast wow. about a, a Dario that, that you oh. bred. Oh, that was. Mind. Yeah, that was yeah, just beaten down fish. And I want that pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, yes, I created an asshole. I created a baddest. <laughs> it's an asshole. And it, hybrid species like flower horns or black Haitians that have been crossed with green tares and stuff are some of the meanest fish out there. Hybrids get this thing called hybrid vigor. And sometimes they get both bigger and more aggressive, or sometimes they can be more docile. It can go either way. But yeah, I created recently some baddest that are hybrids, and they're terrors. I can't put anything in with them. No shrimp, no, I mean, not even guppies can go in with them. They attack them. But I learned my lesson on that one, and I know I'm never going to like have a tank other than those guys sometimes with a pair, but mostly alone. Like they can't even get along with each other right now. They're all in 2.5 gallons all lined up. So know what you're getting into. Also, you can have a lot of fun with even just one fish tanks or species tanks. Like pare it down if, if you've got too many fish or if you have a fish die off or something, like all your angels die. Maybe you give it a couple shots, but maybe angels aren't your thing. Maybe they're not good for your water. Maybe gouramis are better. You find uh, find your niche. Don't be afraid to rotate around, but just find ways to ethically handle that. You know, find those outlets, find those swap groups, find the Facebook group, create your own group if you don't have one. And worst case scenario, you need a group and you really can't find one because you're that one dude in Canada that no one will talk to. Hop on the uh, hop on the website, aquariumguyspodcast.com. Go to Discord. Find yourself a new friend or sucker there, there, bud. There, dude. There's almost guaranteed to be someone who will even like pay you to ship them fish if it's some fish that you're tired of that was an investment or that's of a certain age there are so many caring people in this hobby that want to see fish taken care of that if people say they can't find a home for a fish i i just don't believe that they tried very hard most of the time or that they don't they just don't know where to look i guess but with google these days the answer should be like if you don't know go to google and then within i don't know 10 minutes you should know there's a reason you don't see, um, how do I put this gently? You know what? I'm going to be an asshole. You guys come here for the honest truth. I'm going to give you the honest truth. There's a reason that you see legitimate rescues like the Ohio fish rescue only taken monster fish because all other fish have a home. 
Jimmy yeah. and I rescue fish all year long, the most Same. mostly in the winter because it's something like mass amounts of goldfish out of ponds and people just get rid of them because they consider them disposal. There's always a home for, for fish within reason, unless they're the size of a garbage can lid. And then you can call these wonderful people in Ohio that have a mullet. Yeah. You see a ton Not of these, the you know, these fake rescues. All they are is looking for free fish, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you and yeah. I are to just, just you know, we'll, we're, we'll be open about it. It's going to go to stores. It's going to go to a guy that's looking for a, for a fish that will give away for free. No, you know, yeah. we're not doing it because we want the fish. We're just here as an outlet. Yeah. We're not advertising. I mean, people just come to us with buckets like they did this afternoon. There's always a home for fish. And if it isn't, it's big. I mean, that that's the honest truth. It's the rescues or, that or drive me insane that want to do an adoption fee. <laughs> you know, I okay, now my blood's boiling. So I went, went went to my local big box store, and they're they have. Oh no, we can say their name. It's it's not slander like we do a Schmelta. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, you go in there and and you know, thank goodness someone's trying to find these these cats a home. But they're asking for an adoption fee of two hundred fifty dollars for a one eyed ten year old <laughs> tomcat. Seriously, two hundred fifty bucks for a used cat for. And I'm sorry, but it doesn't have that many miles. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looked like it had a lot of miles on it. But what I'm saying is, is if you got somebody who's legitimately trying to help out, they're not going to charge you twenty dollars adoption fee for a fish. They're selling you a fish, and they're trying to be a wannabe pet store, and that pisses me off. And I, I just, I, I mean, there are great people in this place helping out pets. Don't get me wrong, but there are certain people that are just trying to pretend to help out and they're trying to make a profit. So rotate your fish, keep it fresh. And if you want, you know, keep yourself in the schedule. If you, you feel like you haven't had them long enough or haven't learned enough about them, hold them for a year, two years, three years, whatever you need to explore and learn in, in your hobby. And don't be afraid to have a reset schedule. You see YouTubers doing it all the time. People have their fish rooms. Alex, you got a nice fish room. And I guarantee you come back a year on your YouTube channel and it's going to change. That That's oh, on God. purpose. It's not just for your viewers. That is for you growing in your own hobby. Yeah. And, and literally it's part of why I have a channel is so that I realized early on, like, man, I want to explore a lot of things. And this is, even if I had a channel with 500 subscribers or whatever, a hundred subscribers, that would be a hundred people that might want to trade fish with me or because the other thing is, I don't know about most people listening, but I don't have the money to go buy retail price fish all the time. Anytime I excited about a new fish, I'd be broke all the time. Yeah. Not when so, your Dr. Pepper costs $10 a case. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on priority people. But yeah, like it's, there's no shame in it. And if you look at my channel, people will say, what happened to those macrosomas that you had? Or what happened to the, the Borelli Apistos you had or whatever. And some people will kind of like say it almost like, Haha, I caught you, you, you killed them or something, you know? And it's like, no, I traded them. And, and that's why I've got these like giant haplochromis now or whatever. It's, that's a really great way to benefit two people is, is swapping fish out and changing things around. My channel, every three months, it looks like a new fish room with the exceptions of a few fish that I, my panda loaches, my shrimp and a few guppy lines and nanos of choice, everything else kind of changes. So the only thing I that doesn't change 
is those feeder guppies that I'm staring at in my 60-gallon. I'll take them all back then. No, no, I'll give you half. That way they can have okay. room to multiply again. The front half or the back half? Uh, oh, no. Get ready for like 200 fish, Adam. <laughs> Dude, if that happens. No, no. You think your tank? Yeah. It's happened. You're cutting my fish in half? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you are a dick. What do you think? It's called chum. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, gentlemen, some fish with good names: chum, crappy, mullets. Man. See, there you go. Any other uh, recommendations that you get that help get you guys at a burnout? Um, Honestly, I think what helped Jimmy is having fun with his fish room. He likes to uh, challenge himself by trying to do things he he just se- can't seem to ever do. Like he'll get a bug up his butt and he'll decide to rearrange his fish room and then start trying to ble- breed placos. So get a bunch of caves, have a good time, and even if see he's flipping me off right now, but even if he fails. He's having fun with the challenge. I think that's how Jimmy really enjoys his fish hobby is everything's just a new challenge for him. And he doesn't really, really realize it. He makes jokes like, oh, how much money did it make me and all this? But it's it's his adventure in his basement. Well, and I think that so my entire channel is based off of that same concept. It's the secret history living in your aquarium. And the idea was if I was in a goldfish bowl trapped the rest of my life, what would I think about? And and so then I kind of extrapolate that. What? And, okay, an Wait, aquarium. No, hold on. You do have a meth lab in your basement, don't you? You're, that's like the people of <laughs> like, if I was on a tropical island and I have nothing better to do. I saw Yes. Uh, I mean, I mean, home arrest makes you do crazy things. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, but no, it, it started with the thought of like, okay, so say you're sitting in the aquarium and then you wonder, okay, where did this glass that makes up the actual aquarium come from? China. Okay, what economic issues are impacting the price of glass right now? What's Im- impacting the price of silicone and putting those pieces of glass together as aquariums? Oh, skyscraper construction is causing us to have less aquarium glass available that's low iron. Why is there low iron glass? Why is there iron in glass, period? What's the metallurgy behind that? Oh, Egyptians kept fish? and worked glass and then we lost the technology there's this endless trail and some people find it i found it in in history and science and biology but some people do it with carpentry i swear some fish channels like serpa design for instance like tanner is a half fish and reptile channel and the other half is like a diy craft and and carpentry channel maybe that's your fix maybe you need to build uh mahogany or teak faces for all of your your critter cages or your aquariums or maybe you want to restore victorian era or art deco or whatever euro frame aquariums um there's just so many different things in our hobby that you can branch out and still that way at least get out of bed and cover your basics of feeding your fish changing your water every couple of weeks and really that i mean if you have like 40 aquariums or 30 aquariums or 20 whatever it is that's beyond uh doable in a few hours then you really really should think for a few years before you get to that point in my opinion i'm at 24 now and this is the first time i definitely feel like wow vacation's gonna be different like i can't i can't just leave these fish but even when i had like 10 tanks I could still leave for a week. It, it was doable. And I think those are important things. Like just don't overexpand yourself in the first place is important if you're listening to this and new, because it's so tempting to go get a free 
90 gallon tank that's you know right up the street and free but are you ready for the work that's involved with all that so i mean just scale things as you go and then that way your your workload should be as we've already talked about as efficient as possible and if that's the case then you can put in as much or as little time as you want and it shouldn't be much more work than like household chores or any other kind of pet that you may keep so the moral of the story is tell your dad that uh, yes you'll take care of him in six months and it'll be your responsibility and then follow through (laughs) yes adam you got any last remarks you know what i always did as dumb as it sounds whenever i was starting to feel burnout from pet store or whatever I you became just... a burnout. No. <laughs> oh. Okay. I just would sit back and look at like the simplest fish and just watch it swim for like five minutes and try to, and then I'd try to get that childlike wonder back or watch a pair of green anoles because those were one of my first lizards I ever had and I was oh, breeding yeah. like Europlatus and just watch the behaviors for five or 10 minutes. Just take five minutes and like zen out yeah. with your stuff. And then you'll get it back. That's what I've noticed, at least. Yeah, or go to nature and get some inspiration from, like, trout or koi or whatever. Get some references for what made you love those things in the first place. I love that going back to basics. Think that first time that it captured an aquarium. Like, I remember where I was at. I was sitting right at the base of my grandma's fireplace looking at a, oh, my what I thought in my little brain, a massive 55-gallon aquarium with this amazing community. It was literally a zoo in a square box. And I sat there hanging off of a chair that they propped up so a little old me could reach up there and and watch it until I would fall asleep. Go to grandma's house for the evening. All I remember was being carried to the car. I I would lose track in the fish just watching Corydoras attempt to breed. It was so much fun. That's that's so relaxing with the hum of that little air uh, pump and everything with you at all times. Well, I mean, now I I get flashbacks from Nam, but yes, that it was very relaxing, soothing, and I can almost smell Grandma's Dorito bar. (laughs) Oh, you know what else? What else would help me at my shop whenever I was having a really bad day is when a little kid came in. Yeah, they're like fish or to see the lizards or something cool. That's when you can you know get to their level and see things from their level. And you just laugh in their face that they can't afford anything or decide to buy anything without their parents' help. I gave them free fish every now and then. Oh, okay. You could go that angle too, I guess. How dare you? But if the kid's got the tank ready, but he doesn't have like some, I've had, I had a couple kids come in and they didn't have enough money for like everything. So I was like, here you go. Just, just take them. Enjoy. And those would be your lifelong people. Maybe get the younger generation interested in fish. If you have, if you want to tear down. Yeah. Too many tanks. Give a younger kid a free fish tank. This is where yeah. Adam learned how to do business practices. He learned yeah, from his local drug practice. dealer. Just give him a hit. Yeah. They'll be back. <laughs> wow. Just give him a little you bit. Know, that was so heartfelt from Adam. And then but it's he, the truth. You just turn it into something it's nasty. Not, it's not supposed to be nasty. It's the truth. He got kids into the hobby. He knew that they're going to get lost in this you know, natural wonderland. And he knew that those people... In odds, if they keep it for three months, according to the stats we just got from Alex, are hooked. He's a genius. And so did McDonald's give you your first free hamburger? And that's what happened to you? I mean, they did give me some free clothes as well. I bet you they did. And it smelled like fries. Yes. 
So Adam, you, you reign supreme as a as a genius in that. Honestly, that should be the whole thing. Of like Jimmy's like, oh, they should still have fish at Walmart because it helps get kids. No, they should have pet store owners that have a free section just for six and under. Wait, no. Okay, and maybe well, we should I, give away free candy in the back of a van. You weirdo. See, now you're getting I it. Have, I have to say though, so like Aquarium Co-op, Corey Corey said it on his show. And I remember when he used to do this. I don't know if it's still their practice. I think it's probably not practical now with the size of their company. But he used to give a pair of guppies or any live bear that a kid under 10 wanted. And then he would buy back those fish like back in the day. And I always thought that was really cool. And and like hence the name Aquarium Co-op. Like it kind of made it that way. But I mean, he did that with just kids, for instance. But I mean, in in a smaller town, like pretty much anybody who other than Corey, because he's in a you know he's in a place now where he's so big that he'd probably have a million people coming and begging for for their kids to have free fish, and he'd have to buy a billion guppies that all suck. But other than that, like for for your average fish store, I think that's such a cool program to do that. You know, another thing that you can do out there is. Something that I've done in the past, I know Adam, for a fact, has done this in the past. People come in and say, I just don't want this aquarium anymore. And you take that aquarium and you put it down in your back room. You kind of forget about it. It grows a little bit of dust on it and stuff. Give that aquarium and a pair of guppies to your local elementary school. Yeah. Give it it to your local church for their daycare area. Give it to somebody. The prison. In prison, you don't know who you're going to inspire. No, in prison, they're going to break the aquarium glass and they're going to shank you with the glass. Yeah, that's that's going to backfire. <laughs> it's going to backfire. Well, that's why it's bad. tempered, so it breaks in tiny pieces. Oh, exactly. Right. But yeah, anyway, I really think that that to give back to the community is essential. And uh, like what Corey used to do, or maybe he still does, good job. I, I, I think that's a great thing to do. And I know Adam has done it in the past. I know I've done it in the past. I know Robbie's done it in the past. So. Yeah, it's, it's the classic old family local run that that's what made local fish stores great those kinds of things that community that you can't get anywhere else and you can get a little bit of it online but you can't get that you can't get actual trading fish i mean you got to meet somewhere so why not why not support your local shops while you're at it we should do a uh make a fish campaign what's what would we do instead of make a wish it's make a fish make a fish yep and then just have some money. Dying kids fish. Yeah, just to get no, not dying kids. We we heard <laughs> how the dying kids fish doesn't really work out last time you were on the podcast. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. pretty sad. Yeah, no, just just getting kids into fish. There, that's that's the whole thing. Make a make a fish campaign. So give them the fish free and, the first one. Right, give them a few first ones, and then they'll come back for more. Then, then they'll be in the hobby. The they'll they'll be full price. After next that. thing you know, they'll be at aquarium clubs. Next thing they'll do seminars, and maybe just maybe. They'll start their own YouTube channel or a podcast and get to episode eight. Or they'll be selling their house. By the way, I do have an episode called You May Be Suffering from MTS If, and it does have the the clear progression. There's about three routes that you could go down of how people end up with too many fish and then get sick of it and then drop out. So I just wanted to like self-promote shamelessly there because it's a video that not that many people have seen. Oh, no, it's going to be in the show notes. It's all about you, Alex. If you are listening this, check the the bottom of the podcast. The link for that episode will be there (laughs) and uh, check it out and then leave a comment that... heard it here yeah yeah saying where, where you heard it from just make sure to fill up his old youtube videos with really nice comments spamming the aquarium guys you know what i mean yes please do seriously 
Thank you. Well, that, Alex, that's my it, only shameless plug, other than all the self-aggrandizing and cutting off, and and I'm going to blame it all on the phone delay. Yes, because so. we're going to get you a microphone soon enough. But so, I, so yeah, please, please, everybody, send in a nickel, everybody, and we get ten a nickel, ten thousand people, nickel. How much is that? Yes, right. everyone, mail robs a nickel. Please, I would love to see this. I'm oh. gonna take your nickel. I'm gonna take your nickel, <laughs> and I'm gonna buy. Yeah, worth seven cents. How much is it? Seven cents. So, why seven cents? Because that's how nickel. much it costs to make a nickel is like seven cents. That's how much metal a nickel is. How much metals in a nickel that that metals worth? Well, no wonder we're having economic problems in this country. Well, if, if we get ten thousand people to send in a nickel, that's five hundred bucks. That's five hundred bucks. We can buy him a dang microphone for five hundred bucks, can't we? Come on, let's get every okay. It's it's a nickel. Make make a make a mic foundation. That's right. We're gonna buy we're gonna buy Alex a microphone. Yes, Alex, you got any closing? From someone who's burnt out on podcasting. Say that again. I'll just get a used one from someone who's burnt out on their ninth podcast. Oh, that's brilliant. That's absolutely seven. brilliant. Seven. Seven. Yeah, seven oh, seven. Podcasts. Okay, sorry. I misunderstood your, your stats. Okay, got right. it. Seven. He's just making shit up. I'm going to hunt down like someone on their sixth episode. I'm going to follow like 40 podcasters on their sixth episode that seem to be doing it kind of slow. And then I'll hit them up in like a month for their microphone. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie to you. There is a group that uh, has been reaching out to me and I'm like, hey, I'll help you with hosting. I'll, I'll, I'll host your podcast for free. I like what you guys are doing. Here's a few tips. If you guys need any help, here's some help. I have contact with some editors. And episode three came around, and I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> Honestly, it's been months. Sad deal. But yeah, if you guys want to start a podcast, just uh, message me. I'll help you out. I'll do free hosting for a while. The first one's free, guys. First one's free. The second one, you got to give us a microphone for Alex. It's just a deal. There's like a restaurant over here called Paradiso. Chips are free. Dinner, Dinner extra. extra. Paradiso. <laughs> they know what's up. Anyways, Alex, any uh, uh, last notes? I just gave a whole bunch. I'm going to shut up. Okay. Thank you for having me. Check out the channel. Oh, you've been had. Check out the channel. You Get this damn been. fool a mic. All right? Do it. A nice mic. A nice mic. Not just a shitty mic. And, uh, you know, get your kids hooked on fish. There we go. Till next time. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. So we, yeah. we now can confirm with science, largest blowjob of all time. <laughs> Would you like a fish, Jimmy? <laughs>